Hey, Emily. Hey, Greg. Enjoy these golden pipes while you can. I don't know if my voice will ever sound the same after tomorrow when I get my remaining wisdom teeth pulled. I have to ask you, because most people, including myself, did this when they were 18 years old. Like, <laughs> What has been the funniest advice, tips, warnings that people have given you getting this at your age? Well, the fu- my age. Jesus, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm in the I'm in the uh, the uh, light pink, the dark red area for coronavirus and for wisdom teeth pull. Um, oh no, I here's the thing. I I got two of them out already when I was younger, mm. and at the time they said, "Hey, you just need to get you got two good wisdom teeth. You get two not so good wisdom teeth, and there's a chance you may never have to get the other two out." So. What do you want to do? I'm like, obviously just get two pulled because, you know, that would be better than getting all four. Fast forward a, a few years, a few decades. And uh, <laughs> and lo and behold, like the back right wisdom tooth is constantly getting filled. And uh, the dentist finally said, you know, you're never going to be able to not get cavities back there because you don't know how to brush your teeth right. I'm like, it's a good point. And he's just like, you can probably just get the two wisdom teeth out and... You know, that'll be it. Um, so I'm getting the other two pulled. So it's not, if I followed the advice it w- from people, it would have been, why are you only getting two pulled when you got the original two out? Now, I'll say two things about this, Emily. Uh, when I got the original two out, um, I was in the presence of uh, Capitals fans. I was living in D.C. at the time who knew me from Puck okay. Daddy. And we talked about the Capitals. And then I took drugs uh, to make me feel better while they pulled my teeth. And then at the end, they told me, I don't remember saying this, but they told me that I was saying that we've all been through this together. Now we're best friends, so we have to hang out, is what I was telling the dentist. <laughs> With the dental hygienist? Yeah. With and the dental hygienist, both of them. Um, and and this you? time, what? No, we didn't. No, I was, I was completely high. Um, this time oh, okay. it was interesting because I, the dentist did a 360 degree scan of my head because on the x-ray, it looked like my wisdom tooth was hooking around the nerve and Ew. yeah and they said he said to me he's like you know we, we have to make sure that you know we can get this out without it hurting the nerve and it turns out it's not hooking around the nerve it was just an optical illusion and i said to the dentist i'm like just out of curiosity before uh the technological leaps in your profession where you could stick somebody's head in a bucket and do a camera around them and figure out what's going on in their head how did you figure out that the tooth would be hooked around the nerve he goes oh we would just pull until you made a face so you're getting a little less wise but it sounds like medicine has gotten a lot wiser thank goodness now you have all four out i do all at once all impacted watched one day of miserable bloody slumdog millionaire i remember was the only movie i watched (laughs) and uh the next day i was fine well i i still owe our editor tim my column so the question is do i finish all of it before I'm on laughing gas or after. And for your sake, dear listeners, let's hope it's after. Coming up on the show, we got Craig Custanson, ESPN alumnus, currently of The Athletic, talking about coronavirus from the GM meetings where Emily is right now. Uh, that plus playoff stuff, plus GM meeting stuff, plus a lot more on this edition of ESPN. And I, let's start the show proper, shall we? From the ice to your earbuds, a podcast about hockey. Featuring things to do with hockey. From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN On Ice with Wachinski and Kaplan. 
It's ESPN on Ice, the podcast where ESPN talks about hockey. I'm Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer. I'm Emily Kaplan, national NHL reporter. And uh, I'm in San Jose, where it's like 80, and you are in lovely Boca Raton. How's the weather Man, in Boca Raton? I love this trip every year. I don't. <laughs> it was funny. You you texted me like two weeks ago. You're like, are you going to the GM meetings? I was like, why don't I go to the GM meetings? Why am I being an idiot? It's great. We sit at the fancy, fancy schmancy resort that nobody's allowed in without membership, but they let you in. Wow, sorry, frog my throat. They let you in if you just say NHL meetings and get to park your car valet. You sit outside all day and look at the beautiful ocean, and the NHL GMs break at, like, lunchtime because they all want to go golf, and you're done oh, yeah. by, like, 2 p.m. Yeah. Um, dope poker at own big, big time. Uh, Monterey was the owners' meetings earlier this year, um, and as we talked about before on the podcast— not sure they'll ever go back to Sea Island, Georgia, where Emily and I covered the meetings mm. when they announced Seattle. I think it was right. Yeah, um, Jerry yeah, Bruckheimer was there. Never forget Sea Island, Georgia. Um, before we get to the GM meeting stuff, let's talk about where we are in the NHL. Uh, last time we all got together, it was right after the trade deadline. Chris Peters was there in studio with us, and we talked about the the ins and outs of the trade deadline. Covered all thirty one teams. And uh, now we're looking at what's going on in these standings. And what we see in these standings is the both playoff bubbles are kind of a mess right now. They're both kind of a mess. Um, the Islanders uh, and Columbus, as we do the show, are right now in the wild card. That's tenuous. They could move up. They could move down. Carolina is a, a real problem for me right now because I feel like they should be a lot higher in the standings with a plus 24 goal differential. And uh, and I know that the goaltending situation is a mess, and that's kind of holding them back a little bit right now. But even before that, I feel like this should, this should be the team that's in the third spot in the East, in, in the in the Metropolitan, they're not right now. Totally. And I also think that the defensive injuries probably mess with their juju um, early in the year. You know, Dougie Hamilton, as we had mentioned, was playing at like a Norris-caliber level. One of the things that's crazy about them down the stretch, they've got let's see, 18 games remaining, and eight of them are back-to-back sets. And they've actually done pretty well with zero-day rest. I looked it up. They're 6-3-2. and But that's wild to have that as what is going to determine your playoff fate when you're on the bubble. So um, we'll see how it plays out. And we'll also see, like, look, I think Vincent Trocek's a great player. I think Brady Shea's a great player. They see them as core players going forward. But it sometimes takes some time for these guys to adjust. And I know Shea particularly looks like he's kind of seamlessly fitting in. But um, especially with the line combinations, I'm curious to see what type of impact Trocek will have um, over these next couple weeks. Yeah, and in fairness, they are missing some guys too, like, you know, Dougie Hamilton, for example, who was killing it before he got hurt. And is, is Carolina in your category of teams that it's not imperative that they win this season, that they've got a bit of a long game going on right now? Yes and no. I think, you know, going there in the preseason and talking to Rod Brindamore, he talked about, like, Everything we did last year was great, and we galvanized this fan base again, and we sold a bunch of tickets, and we got everyone excited, but, like, it means nothing if we can't build on it, because, like, we've seen this before, and then it all goes away. So I do think that there is some importance for that market specifically to make the playoffs and build off what they had last year. That said, they've got a great young core going forward, and they really built some strong pieces at very value-friendly contracts, and... I think in the long view, they're in much better shape than some of the teams that probably will make the playoffs this year. 
For sure. And as of right now, as we do the podcast on uh, Tuesday before the big games, um, or as some of them are going on, Carolina with a 69.3 nice uh, percent chance of making the postseason. Um, the Mighty Rangers are, are were, were uh, on the upswing, and then by God, Chris Kreider gets hurt. That it sucks. It was so awful. I mean, especially because they do this whole thing where it's, is he going to be traded? Is he not going to be traded? And they're like, you know what? We're keeping him around. He's having a great year for us. We see him as part of our future. And then what was it? Two games later, he breaks his foot. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on a career pace. He was playing some of the best hockey I've ever seen him play in his career. And to find another winger for Mika Zibanejad is going to be difficult. Um, you know, Mika's been playing great all season long, and I'm not sure that he's winger dependent per se, but that was a really dynamite line. And um, I, I just think the psyche blow of, of losing him is rough. And I also think, you know, not having Shesterkin is really interesting because every time they put Lundqvist out there, they don't want to play in front of him and he gets shellacked. <laughs> right. Um, I find it really interesting that the Philadelphia Flyers, my God, second place right now in the Metropolitan Division. And surging. Yeah, we did the awards watch. We'll talk about some awards watch stuff in a second, but we did, we did the new one today. And, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Elaine Vigneault slots in amongst the Jack Adams favorites. You've got guys like, you know, Mike Sullivan and John Tortorella that, and Jared Bender, Bender that all have the same sort of, our teams were super hurt and yet we coached them to playoff seeds thing going on. In Tortorella's case, it's a bit more tenuous than the other two. Um, although the Penguins aren't out of the wilderness yet either. And then you, you don't really have any of, of the guys who took over mid-season that are gonna, I think, challenge for the Jack Adams with the acknowledgement that Sheldon Keefe could be that guy based on the points percentage the Leafs have had, but I think that the perception of that team is not that he, you know, rescued them for, or anything. He just maybe maybe made them a little bit better than what they were. Right, and I think the perception of that team too is that they're still underachieving. Yeah, based off of the talent and payroll that they have. Yeah, because they can't stop the puck. Um, because they didn't have Morgan Riley. Right, as we've <laughs> talked about. And the Flyers are uh, the Flyers have a plus thirty goal differential this season. I mean, a lot of that is the work they've done on home ice. Twenty three five and four on home ice, and Carter Hart almost un- unbeatable on home ice for them uh, this year in in goal. I just think that Vigneault is going to be a really interesting wild card in this process. I think I think he's a, the kind of coach that the broadcasters who vote on this award like. He's a personable mm-hmm. guy, and uh, and it's a big media market, and it's going to be interesting to see where he slots in if he's going to get a, a, a Jack Adams nomination or not. And, you know, I have to give credit to Chuck Fletcher because I think he did a pretty good job with the hand he was dealt. I know I'm a bigger fan than Kevin Hayes than you, and I think he's been a great addition <laughs> to that team. Um, but there's been two big pieces of adversity that he's had to dealt with. Early in the year, one of their rising star players finds out that he has a really rare form of leukemia, Oscar Lindblom, and, and you have to rally your team around that. And they've also been without a third-line center for nearly the entire season um, because Nolan Patrick has been dealing with his migraine disorder. So those are two big pieces that they were counting on that they didn't have. Um, and you're right, he's guided them, especially of late, to some really great results. For sure. Looking over at the... Um the other conference now, uh, the, the central. Wait, are we not talking about the Florida Panthers and their implosion? Oh, I was trying to avoid talking about the sad state of the Florida Panthers. Um, it's not good. <laughs> it's pretty it's bad. bad. It's bad. It's real bad. It's all anyone wants to talk about down here, actually, which is, is right? funny because we always joke about how like the Panthers don't have fans and you know, it's an easy thing, but people around here are talking about it. And, 
Um, I think a lot of this is going to fall on Dale Talon. Um, I believe he's in the last year of his contract. I, I would be pretty surprised at this point if he returns, especially if they miss the playoffs. But the performance they've put on home ice since the All-Star break, losing seven straight games, is simply unacceptable. And I think Q is a really demanding coach, and I think that this young group is trying to adjust to that. And and, and I, I think there's no doubt that there's probably been some clashes between players like Vincent Trocek, who they ended up shipping out. I think Sasha Barkov is, is really struggling um, to do with these new demands, but it is ugly. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see if... You know, there's a certain amount of, of um, assumption, I think, that Q went to Florida because of talent, right? So mm-hmm. if you've got this coach under contract for many years for many millions of dollars, does that buy Talon more time if he's Q's guy? Is it Q's team now? That's the question. But I, think I mean, the, the big question is how much money is this all going to cost? Because we've heard reports and... I, I know it to be true. They're trying to shed payroll because they're losing money. Like it's not public, but they're not making money. And I think Dale Talon no. makes a decent amount. So would he come yeah. back next year for a lesser contract, or is he fine retiring? Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we talked about the, the Panthers because you're in the epicenter of Panthers universe right now. Yeah. Uh, Here I am. St. Louis, the Avalanche, and the, and the Dallas Stars. The Avalanche and, and the Blues are, are right there in the thick of things. That the Stars. Uh, pretty much locked into that third spot right now in the central Pacific Vegas. They've quietly done really well lately. Yeah, for sure. Vegas, um, Vegas is, is looking like Vegas at times. <laughs> Not all the time. Not when you lose to the Kings. Uh, although maybe that does look like Vegas. Uh, Edmonton put a shellacking on Nashville last night as we do the show. Calgary right there. Vancouver is worrying me a little bit. I, this was the thing that I said when I picked it, predicted them to make the playoffs. Like, the core has to stay healthy. Besser gets hurt. Markstrom gets hurt. And now all of a sudden, they're in a situation where they're in a fight for the uh, wild card spot when you'd hope to be maybe where Calgary is in the standings. So that's a bit of concern. And man, you know, two teams that I'm fascinated by right now. Winnipeg, still mm-hmm. hanging around. Can't kill them. Mm-hmm. Connor Hollebuck doing his thing. And Minnesota, which is making all of us look like a bunch of idiots where, like, why would you fire the successful coach? And now they're more successful than they were under Boudreaux. What is that? Do you know what? I have to give some credit to Kevin Fiala. Like, I know it's not one guy carrying it, but it almost feels like them coinciding is him finding his confidence. And he finally looks like that bonded prospect that everyone thought he was with the um, predators. And honestly, like, He's playing fantastic right now, and Bill Guerin looks great for not panicking and making some of these moves that he could have made, even though it did sound like he wanted to get rid of Zach Parise. <laughs> he certainly did. All right, before we, we move on to customs, let's talk about Awards Watch real quick. My God, I spent the majority of my day arguing with cross Oilers fans as the great Hart Trophy Wars continue. They're all saying, how do you not give morning. it? <laughs> How do you not give it to Leon Dreisaitl, they say. And I'm like, well, because of Connor McDavid. And also because there's other candidates that I think might deserve it more. And they are all very upset. And they're like, you don't respect Leon Dreisaitl's season. And I'm like, he's in my top three. Maybe even my top two. But I don't know how you don't give it to Nathan McKinnon right now. Like he's He sounded so John Mulaney-ish right there. <laughs> Sorry, because I watched him on SNL. That was a compliment. 41 points ahead of the next leading scorer on the Avalanche. 41 points. 
ahead. There's no Connor McDavid there on the power play with him. It's the Nathan McKinnon show. It's it's baffling to me how anyone could look at that team and not be like, he is the most important player. He's 40 points clear. And the next highest scorer on the team is a rookie defenseman. Come on. A drive title's great, and I think he'll probably win the heart because uh, if, if Edmonton makes the playoffs, because, you know, logic sometimes has no home in these in these arguments. That said... Much like I thought that Connor McDavid had a Leon Draisaitl problem last month, Emily. If the Rangers somehow turn this thing around and get it's into the Panarin playoffs, Blues. Leon Draisaitl has an Artemi Panarin problem. That's right, he does. And here's the caveat: I'm a Leon Draisaitler. I see this stat, and I'm like, how could you not vote him for Hart? He has scored or assisted on 51% of the Oilers' goals this year, which is on pace to be the highest by any player since Yager in 98-99. That's wild. And mm-hmm. the crazy part I know that the caveat to that is that McDavid's second in the league at 44%, 44%. but 51% of a team's goals? That's impressive. That is definitely player of the year stuff right there. But when you're only about, what, 13 points clear of McDavid at this point, and that gap will close, obviously, Connors. You know, hockey god. Kucherov finished 30 points ahead of Stamkos last year. And McKinnon is 41 points ahead of Kale McCarr right now. Like, I understand percentages as best I can. Math was never my strong suit. But I look at those situations and I say to myself, my God, where's the help for them? Now, I know that that Kucherov had some help, but he outkicked his coverage. And then in McKinnon's case, the whole team got hurt. In Panarin's case, the, the, whole is, the whole team stinks, and he's great. <laughs> so, I mean, my you big tell me. takeaway, my big takeaway is that there's a lot of talented players in the league right now yes. who are doing some pretty heroic things. And just because mm-hmm. you believe Nathan McKinnon is more deserving than Leon Dreisaitl doesn't mean you don't appreciate Leon Dreisaitl, correct? That's exactly right. However, I will <laughs> say to my friends in Edmonton this I, I watch Edmonton games, I live on the West Coast now. They're, they're right in prime time for me. It's fantastic. I understand that he is now driving his own line. A line, by the way, with two better wingers than the Oilers gave McDavid, because they know McDavid's better. This does not mean he no longer plays with Connor McDavid. He plays with Connor McDavid on the power play. For well over 200 minutes this season, they've been together. That's where he scores 40% of his points. So don't give me this. He doesn't even play with McDavid anymore. Yes, he does! He plays all the time with McDavid on the power play, where he had five goals in his last five games on the power play. So don't give me this, he doesn't play with McDavid nonsense. He doesn't play with McDavid five on five most of the time. But he plays with McDavid all the time on the power play. Ah, Edmonton. Any other awards you want to talk about before we get to Craig? I think Calder's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it's real interesting. I, I, I put Quinn Hughes up, but I think that Cal McCarr is going to have a ton of support. I do find it interesting, though, that the the one of the main arguments for McCarr for most of the season was the points per game thing, and I think that gap has closed significantly in the last month with 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 Quinn Hughes. Um, that's going to be interesting to see. I feel like Quinn's being seen as the better all around guy, and maybe McCarr is seen as the more special offensive guy. At least that's the the impression I get from talking to some of the voters. Well, the impression gonna, I get from Quinn Hughes and in his interview with the Hockey News is that he's the best guy there's ever been. <laughs> <laughs> Those were some incredible quotes. And look, I've interviewed Quinn Hughes a couple times. Like, 
I don't think he's totally used to the media process. And I could kind of see him saying that and afterwards being like, did I just say that? Like, I, I think I just got nervous. But that was a pretty brash and cocky quote. Mm. Well, I'm happy one of the Hughes has got the brash and cockiness gene. Hey. That's all And I will say this. In any other year, Dominic Kubelik would have been getting a lot more attention with 29 goals, most of them on even strength. Um, mm-hmm. And I've got a story on him coming up. And his story is fascinating. I talked to Sam Bowman about him today. Um, the fact that he was a King's prospect. They just couldn't sign. And the Blackhawks were like, yeah, we'll send you a fifth-round pick for him. Like, we like him. We'll, yeah. we'll put him in our lineup. And not that the Kings look dumb, but don't you think they could do some 29-goal scores right now? Very much so. And even with that prospect pool, they could. And, I, and I'll say this. I think the Calder race overall, and right now I would agree that it would be McCarr and Hughes and uh, Kubalik right now uh, as the top, the top three. But... I mean, like you said, in any other year, this is like the in any other year Calder race. Victor Olofsson, Mackenzie Blackwood, Ilya Samsonov, Elvis Merzlikens, Thatcher Demko, uh, Adam Fox, John Marino. I mean, there is an incredible rookie crop right now that's not even going to get a sniff of the top three for the Calder just because how good some of the uh, the elite talents are. It's crazy how, how good And these the are all players is. that... 90% of people didn't predict us for the call there because we all picked either Kapokaka or Jack Hughes. <laughs> and props to Chris Peters, by the way. Go, go to ESPN.com and check out Chris Peters' piece on Kako and Hughes and uh, the road ahead for both. It's good stuff. All right. Emily sat down with who at the Boca Raton meetings? Everybody's old buddy, Chris. Oh, wow. Craig Custance. Let's <laughs> set it that out, Ryan. Just kidding. He loves us. We love him. He was formerly of ESPN. He's now at The Athletic. I'm sure he'll let you know. And we were sitting beachside and we want to talk about this coronavirus that is becoming increasingly a threat in North America and how it could affect the hockey world. And now joining us and me is a special, special longtime friend of ESPN, former never coworker. Never. Quite a, maybe for a week at one point. <laughs> maybe just by paperwork. <laughs> yeah, by paperwork. <laughs> Craig Custins. And Craig, we are just doing the biggest huge flex right now because you insisted that we do this podcast outside with the ambient sounds of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of. Um, I want to. I want to bring the listeners right to where we are, and we are literally like. There's a gigantic bird. Do you, I'm sure you all can hear that. I mean, it's huge, and it's flapping its wings, and the ocean is to our left. It's nice. Uh, we're at the Boca Beach Club, where the NHL general managers have had their meetings for the last nine years, in part because Gary Bettman owns an apartment next door, and what GMs don't like what they know and go into the same club. But a story you and I were talking about yesterday, and I know you wrote on, is the coronavirus. And it's a huge international issue right now. It's increasingly sounding like it could be a threat in North America. And I'm just curious of what you think is going to happen, how it will impact the hockey world. Yeah, so for that story for The Athletic, um, you know, I wrote about a couple things. One, the the league sent out a memo, I want to say last week, basically saying... Friday. Well, yeah, it was Friday. You know, just saying... I mean, all the stuff, the same things we're hearing. Make sure everyone's washing their hands. Get and under those fingernails. Get under those fingernails, you know. Um, and, you know, let's, let's, we're monitoring this. We're talking to the CDC and uh, is it Health Canada. Yes. You know, every single day, we're going to keep you abreast. Bill Daly yesterday, Monday, um, at the GM's meetings gave another update, essentially saying the same things. I know there, there was a planned conference call with the other leagues. Um, and, and, but I think to me, just in the immediate, the most interesting thing was, um, the fact that that slate of tournaments got canceled by the IIHF, that the U18s, we were con- able to confirm that, you know, may be in jeopardy that tournament that's this year in Plymouth, 
Um, one GM yesterday, I, I was talking to Kelly McCrimmon, and the way he put it, when you're evaluating prospects, that tournament is like the final grade. It's not the whole grade, but it's probably 30% of the grade. So if you lap that out, now you know that has a pretty big impact on the draft. And that's not even talking about getting into the idea of canceling NHL games or playing in front of empty arenas and that sort of thing, as we've seen in other sporting events. Yeah. No, so I talked to Daly yesterday about it, and he was honest. He's like, look, we're monitoring the situation. We're starting to explore contingency pins and didn't rule anything out. Right. He's cautiously optimistic that they're going to be okay, knock on wood. I think nobody knows how this is going to unfold. And truly, this is something unprecedented for the league. I asked him if anything like this has ever come across his table, and he's like, you know, SARS in the late 90s or early 2000s, but it never got to this point. Right. No, I know. It, it, it's 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 fascinating. The one like weird comparison, just because it was international scouting, was um, there was a, a tournament, I want to say in Russia, where there was some like nuclear. Do you remember that? It was one of the tournaments. There was like some sort of Chernobyl. No, no, it was there was some there were some concerns about sending scouts over because they were okay. worried about nuclear fallout. Or, and I'm drawing a blank. It was fairly recently, like okay. last year or two years ago. I know some like some scouts just didn't want to go because they were worried about what they were going to be exposed to, and the league got involved and all that. And it ended up not being a thing. But that's what this reminded me of. He's not like we're at the level now where scouts I know like I you know, I was texting yesterday with people and they're like, Yeah, I've canceled trips, I'm concerned. GM said they're gonna go talk to their scouts and maybe consider wiping out travel or, or just have that conversation. Um and, and you're right though, it's never like I've and then if it expands beyond that we it's nothing that I've seen like this. And the World Championships is interesting because you mentioned the IAHF. Uh, I just like saying it fast so I don't mess up the acronym. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they canceled six tournaments, but they didn't cancel so far the two, you know, signature events, the senior women's and senior men's. Right. Now, the men's is in May in Switzerland, and Switzerland's a country that we see now as being affected. Yeah. Bill Daly said, I can't imagine we would put a mandate on saying guys can't go because, look, it's NHL employees, but it's not an NHL-sanctioned event. Right. But you talk to some GMs and saying, how would you handle it if your player wants to go over there? Like, what would your course of action be? Yeah, like the, the the notion I got from the GMs, because, I mean, this isn't their area of expertise, right? So mm-hmm. they lean pretty heavily on what the league recommends. So even if the league says, look, we can't ban players. Again, this isn't our event or whatever. We can't make these unilateral decisions. If they make a recommendation, even if it's like, you know, you know, no international travel for league employees or whatever that may be. And that was that was part of the memo that went out last week. There was, you know, a, a portion that talked about league employee travel. I think the GMs are going to lean pretty heavily into whatever recommendation they get from the league. I mean, that's, you know, I, mean, I don't know what else you do. So there's two other things that can affect the NHL in the short term. One, we heard about the stick shortage, the potential stick shortage yeah. when the CCM and Bauer factories were shut down. Stephen Weiner reported that story. Bill Daly told me that that has been fine. The yeah. league was on top of it. It's no longer an issue. But what is an issue is that it doesn't sound like the NHL is going to go to China next year. And mm-hmm. they had gun preseason games there in 2017 and 2018. Um, they were going to go last year, but couldn't do it because of scheduling arenas. And they didn't have anything firm yet. And Bill Daly's like, now because of the virus, like it's been really hard to firm plan. So that seems unlikely. I'm curious in your opinion, like what other things are we not thinking about of what this could affect? Yeah. I, I mean, that's a great question. So so when I was looking over some of the, the you know the memo and some of the league recommendations, like the CDC is saying, you know, if it's in your community, don't have large gatherings. You know <laughs> What's what I mean? a playoff game? A large gathering. Right, right. Like what is more large gathering than a sporting event? Heck, a practice is a large gathering. Yeah. Like what do you? Well, I was even thinking about that. I was at the NFL Combine last week, and I'm and Flex. you know that's you like that. Just oh, I missed those indie days. Did you go to Prime? 
I, I no, I went to the one next door with the same kitchen. Whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, and I didn't get the shrimp cocktail. Everyone seemed really disappointed oh, in me fine. about that. It's it's shrimp cocktail. Have you had shrimp cocktail before? I've had shrimp cocktail. Yeah, yeah. It's that, but big uh, because it's the Midwest. Right, right. There was way. Not to be completely sidetracked, way more seafood on the menus. I, I was expecting a lot. Yeah, Indiana. I was like, I'm like, I don't know why we're going to Indiana. Yeah. Anyways, NHL, NFL combine, by the way, spring break for NHL, NFL coaches. Right. Oh yeah, that's all it they is. Seem to be having a good time. Oh yeah. Okay, continue on. So, so that to me, so like that was the first event where I was sitting there thinking about, oh, there's all these people from all over. It's never crossed my mind, but now that's in my thought pattern. Like, all, you know, all these reporters, all these athletes, agents. GMs, scouts, coaches, like you said, from everywhere. And I'm like, boy, this doesn't seem great to containing anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I think it, so now if we get if something is in a local community, if it's let's say it's in Raleigh, like just for lack of a better thought, um, and you have a playoff game, like what a bad idea to get 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. And so like that, I'm just curious. And, and I don't and I'm not. I'm like an underreactor when it comes to this stuff. Like I'm like, boy, this has to get in line behind SARS and bird flu, and like right. I, I need, I need it. So I don't ever want to be the person that's like, hey, they should cancel games. But I do. Like when you sit there and the CDC is saying, don't have large gatherings. I don't know. I think that has to be in the conversation. What do you think the contingency plan would be? Like Bill wouldn't go into it, but like, could they have playoff games where there's no one in the stands? Could they postpone the playoffs? Could they cancel the playoffs? Like, can you even mm. fathom a world where any of those things happen? Well, I mean, first and foremost, it's a business. So the playoff gate, as you know, is whatever it is. It's worth a million or two million for the home team, whatever, whatever that number is. And so, like, aside from just having the games, having it in front of an empty arena to me seems like a bad idea. Just if I'm an owner. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, yeah, we're moving the schedule forward, but I don't want to lose. I spent all this money all year toughed it out through October and November. This is where I make my money as an owner. That's Damn these people if I infect well, them all. Well, look, look. <laughs> hey, you don't get to be a billionaire if you're... Uh, no. <laughs> if, you, if you don't make tough, tough decisions. So, like, that to me... Like, I would... But, I mean, does delaying it a month really do anything? Like, I, I don't know enough. Is this going to go away? Is right. this, like, the flu season where we're going to be like, oh, hey, remember coronavirus back in March? Like, I don't know. But... Um, I, I think I guess better than canceling it would be to play in an empty rink and mm-hmm. and maybe do some sort of I don't know like a paper like a boxing match pay per view or something I don't know like what do you do there You get it on ESPN. You it's ESPN, it ESPN Plus is this, property. Is that an ESPN yeah, Plus property? Yeah, FNBC. This is going to ESPN. Hmm. Uh, no, and I find it interesting that the Tokyo Olympics and their organizers and look. Japan is an area that's more directly affected so far than North America, yeah. but they pretty much set a deadline. They're like, if by late May this is not controlled and under control, we're going to have to cancel the Olympics, and it's too much logistical hell. There's too much money involved that we couldn't even postpone the Olympics. Now, right. I don't think the NHL playoffs is on that scale. Like, there's not that much planning because inherently it's kind of seat of your pants. You find out if you get yeah. in maybe a week before. Um, but that was really interesting to me. It doesn't sound like the NHL has, like, any kind of deadline of, like, oh, this has to be under control by April 20th or we're done. To me, like, what does under control even mean? Like, mm-hmm. is it is it because, you know, the when I look into it, it's, it's basically like it's a super contagious flu, which has a higher rate. But, like, is under control like, okay, we're just it's it's in these communities. We're monitoring it. It's not as bad as we thought. Like, I, I would love to know what 
what would be good enough? I mean, you know it's going to spread. You know it's going to come into these communities. Like, what is satisfactory to say, okay, let's go ahead and have big events? Like, I don't know what that is. The NBA put out their guidelines yesterday. Did you see this? Was this like no a lot of fist bumps they and said, autographs? They said, do not handshake or high-five fans. Prefer fist bumps instead. <laughs> if you sign autographs, don't take their pen and things like that. It seemed silly, but these are the type of things we have to worry about. I'm like, I think of that viral video with like Nikolai Ehlers and the fan, you know, throwing tech tacs and pucks over the glass last week. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was trading it. Like, that couldn't happen. No, now you're like, you're like, hold on, I need a, uh, I need to sanitize the glass right. and like. I- and the elephant in the room is that NHL is the stinkiest and germiest sport there is. Like, if you've been in an NHL locker room, oh. you feel exposed to who knows what in that uniform and equipment anyway. So you asked if it's like the one thing it reminded me a little bit uh, was when you when you talk about the germs and the spreading was the mumps outbreak whatever it was mm-hmm. when Sid you had the mumps and the, I think the ducks started I don't want to accuse any I forgot who started it um, but what it made me want to do and I was at ESPN at this time was I was like what if we just got like a petri dish and like went by outside the bench you know like where they're all spitting and whatever oh they're gosh. doing and just were like okay what diseases. <laughs> Can you gather? And I'm like, uh, we probably vi- be violating some sort of. Yeah, I think there's some HIPAA laws or something. <laughs> HIPAA laws, but I'm like, I don't even know. Then I'm like, I don't know if I want. So you know, we're here in Florida, and a few of the other reporters here were like, yeah, you know, I brought a, a wipe on the plane and, and wiped on the, the plane. And they're like, it was discussed. Like, there's some things I don't want to know. I don't want to know what's behind my head mm-hmm. on a plane. Like, if you get a a wipe and you, it's black, I'm like. Ah. I mean, it's every time I talk on my cell phone, I think of how many germs are on that. Anytime I ride on a public transportation, like, we're exposing ourselves to germs yeah. every single day. Yeah. This really took a turn. Yeah. Any uh, last <laughs> takeaways before we uh, send it off and enjoy the rest of the sunny day? Um, no. I, I, like, I, I'm fascinated to see where this goes. I, like, it's always hard to write it through a sports perspective, and I, that's one of the things I want to be careful with. Mm-hmm. I thought about my story yesterday, and we're talking about, oh, like, you want, you're not going to get that last viewing on a prospect. At the same time, this isn't potential like people are sick and losing their lives and you don't you know you want to have that that clarity like and dick shortage is like a yeah little, you're sitting there going boy comparison. you know hey sorry about you know your family member but this guy's got to get mexican sticks and stuff whatever yeah. so like you he can't cycle through 100 sticks in a season like he usually does right so I, I i do want to make sure we have this perspective but at the same time like this is what we do we're hockey writers this is the sport we cover and it's i, we're, I think we're just now starting to see what the impact is that's right craig where can our loyal ESPN listeners find your work? Um, you can go to the athletic. Watch this. I'm going to plug. You can go to theathletic.com slash full60, which is my podcast, and get 40% off an athletic What's the code? This is going to get Do you edited. even need a code? You don't even need a code. You just go to that. And I can't wait for the ESPN producers to cut this you know right be, out. Who's you know going to be a huge flex? Code ESPN on ice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can have someone set it up in marketing immediately. So check that out. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Custance. And that's it. All right, Craig. Appreciate you. Thank you, Emily. All right, thanks to Craig Customs for joining us. I like the fact that you were beachside with him talking about coronavirus, a.k.a. not in an enclosed space. So very on message, I think. I have to say, I've been washing my hands so much since I've been here because that's recommended, but also because the resort that we have uh, are staying at with the meetings has like this beautiful, luxurious coconut soap that I really enjoy using. <laughs> My hands smell great. <laughs> I just, I, I just, I, you know, I'm doing, I'm going to do what I can to avoid putting myself in situations where I could get it. But I mean, it's here in Santa Clara County. So, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's nothing in Chicago. You can do. Yeah. So there it is. 
what else is going on in Boca Raton outside of uh, discussions about infectious diseases? Uh, I understand that they they we had the e-bug thing and the offside thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about eBug first because I think that has the most fan interest. Um, the general managers, we all expected them to come in irate saying, holy cow, this just happened. We've made an embarrassment of the league. Everyone's talking about how amateur we are. We have to fix the eBug situation. And of course, the not so small elf in the room is that involved Toronto, which things are totally handled with nuance and, um, correctly. That said, the NHL GMs got here, and on the first day, uh, they split into three breakout sessions, so they can kind of speak in smaller groups. Interestingly, in one of the breakout sessions, Dubis and Don Waddell were both in, and those are the two GMs on either side of the Dave Ayers incident. Mm. And they talked about it, and they're like, what do you guys want to do? Do we need new procedures? And everyone kind of agreed what we have is fine. We put this system in place in 2015 after that Roberto Luongo incident uh, where they had to have Rob Tallis dress up. We've had <laughs> 6,000 games since um, and only twice it's been called on. And it was Scott Foster and David Ayers. And I was shocked to actually hear the NHL say it. But um, a senior VP said, we can't ignore the fact that this was good publicity for the league. Like wow. everyone saw the coverage that was going on. Like this is good for us. That's incredible. Um, yeah. So three years ago, there was a proposal at these GM meetings from one GM. I'm not sure who, um, but it said, Hey, let's get a third goalie on everyone's roster. And this guy could travel with the team and essentially be the emergency goalie. And a majority of GMs didn't want it. Um, they said, I don't want to use a roster spot on it. Um, the NHL could have figured it out. It would have been some CBA, um, you know, finagling and they would have had to work with the PA. Um, but GMs literally didn't want it. And I asked point blank, I was like, when you guys were discussing this, like, did that come up again? Were there any other solutions? Everyone's like, no, we, we think we're good where we're at. And the word that everyone kept using was status quo. Interesting. You know, it's, I, I, I hearken back to, um, when I was covering the Capitals and, uh, um, dude, stretch was a um, videographer for the team. And he uh, wound up being their like practice goalie at times. And in one case dressed as their emergency goalie on the bench. Why don't we just go, why don't we just go back to the thing where you hire people for your organization and they just also happen to be goalies. Just, you know, it's like when you hire somebody for a job, you're like, what do you do best? I, I can I can cook the burgers at the Burger King. That's great. What else do you do? Well, I also have uh, customer service uh, experience. That's fantastic. Well, have you run the register occasionally when we need it? If you hire an intern or a PR associate or somebody in ticket sales, just have them check the box in the resume. It says, oh, by the way, I also play goal. Fantastic. Double threat. You're hired. It's like Problem the NHL's solved. version of a Rudy role, but not for diversity. For, for goal. Position diversity. Because goalies are the minority. And, right. Yeah. Exactly. It's just like the Rooney rule. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, exactly. It's going to work what, perfectly. Now, what do they do with offside? Yeah. So, and I just have to say, I think the overall sentiment from fans from the bug thing is like, this is a rare case of the NHL acting rationally. And that transitions me into this with the offside thing. So, um, we've seen the offside rule kind of become this, you know, point of inflection in this league and, and we don't know exactly what it is and honestly the biggest issue a lot of teams have is with the skate in the air when it's crossing the plane and the NHL said that there's been 18 coaches challenges this year for skate in the air plays and 14 of them the challenges led to goals being removed 
Last year, there's 26 challenges and 16 led to goals being removed. And they're like, this is wild. These are some really incredible plays. We're seeing such ex- exciting scoring. And for the player's sake and the fan's sake, why are we removing these goals? But a lot of these cases don't even involve the players that are in on the rush or directly lead to the goal. You know, maybe tangentially lead to the goal, but not quite directly. So they're going to vote on it tomorrow, but we could see a reform in the way that we treat offsides. Hmm. Interesting. Was it, uh, was that a good thing? People seem happy about the clarity? You know, I didn't talk to many GMs about it. Um, we only heard from this from the NHL, um, direct, uh, uh-huh. you know, the hockey ops department, the Stephen Walkums of the world, mm-hmm. the Chris Kings, the Kay Whitmore. So they all seem pretty pleased. And Chris King was the guy, uh, he's the senior VP of hockey ops who was like, you know, the GMs just felt like this wasn't really thing and it was almost a technicality that everyone was kind of gaming the system and let's just clear it up so we can lead to more exciting hockey Hmm. um another thing that happened though is they gave us a little demo on the puck tracking i actually got to hold the fancy puck how was that uh it felt like a fancy puck (laughs) (laughs) what's neat about it has these six little like dashes that are a light skin kind of uh, protrude through it uh the interesting thing they were telling us though is we heard so much concern from players specifically about Will these pucks that have this technology in it be compromised? Will they feel different? Will they shoot different? And the NHL claims it has shot this puck at 170 miles per hour 20 different times. And when they've done it, the puck might have, like, deformed a little bit when it hit the surface, but it always goes back to its shape, which is kind of wild. Um, They are shooting it at 120 miles per hour regularly um, at goalposts, and they say they are trying their hardest to break this puck, and they have not been able to. Um, they are it. confident that it is going to be fine. They've given it to some teams to do tests and practice. They've gotten, quote, minimal feedback from players, nothing at all. Um, they say it's fine, it's whatever. Um, and yeah, the one thing they said is that, look, yeah, we admit this is a little bit more of an expensive puck. So, um, you know, if it goes into the, the stands, we'll let fans keep it. But uh, we're going to be a little more judicious about reharvesting them uh, for cost concerns. Interesting. That's well, yeah, I remember that being a thing that, that when they first tested out the player and puck tracking uh, at the All-Star game, they were talking about some ridiculous amount of money that was spent on each puck that turned people off to the whole thing. So hopefully they've bought the uh, the cost down. Um, all right, you know what? In in lieu of our favorite segment of the week, uh, Phil Kessel loves hot dogs, which is usually a bastion of, uh, of cynicism, um, this is hard for me. Let's let's talk positively for a second. Um, <laughs> is this like your last dying wish as you're this getting the wisdom teeth out tomorrow? Me staring into the abyss of my wisdom teeth distraction. No, as you know, a tornado hit Nashville on uh, on Monday. It was incredibly destructive, incredibly frightening, incredibly injurious, and um, it's been really impressive. The NHL teams have done this. For a lot of different things, but um, but it's been really like you know stirring to see the Minnesota Wild donating twenty five thousand dollars and and their owners donating twenty five thousand um, dollars. The Chicago Blackhawks uh, announcing that uh, portions of their split the pot uh, will benefit tornado relief for the for Tennessee. Um, you know, with the hashtag Nashville Strong, it's it's one of those things that. Um, it, it it's great. I mean, it's just great. It's just it's great to see teams step up. Division rivals. I'm I'm the guy who doesn't like the handshake line, but I do like the 
um, the thing of the of the division rivals stepping up and being like, let's let's throw put down our arms for a second and uh, and help each other out, kind of deal. It's it's a it's a beautiful okay. thing to see. I, I totally agree with you, and I'm glad you called attention to this. You don't like the handshake line though. <laughs> like, oh, what's we'll your break for the handshake line? Let's let's it's the first best. Of all, first of all, coronavirus. Second of no, all, no, 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 we'll no. Yeah, it sounds like you had the stance well before coronavirus was the thing. <laughs> we'll talk about this at the playoffs because this is a very, this is a, a plank in the Greg Wyshynski platform that we'll have to ha- hash out when we get to. Oh, man, I can't wait first, to jump on the, this plank. The end of any play- first Knock playoff series loose. that we cover, I will, I will discuss the handshake line and my, my thoughts on it. Let's, let's um, shake on it now. We'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll elbow tap or foot tap. All right, now it's time for puck headlines. Dateline, St. Louis. Okay, so St. Louis... Okay. St. Louis has a Hockey Is For Everyone event that they are holding during a road game, making them what I believe is the only team in the NHL holding their Hockey Is For Everyone night when the team is not playing in the arena. This struck me and a lot of people as odd. It also struck us as odd that they couldn't find a home game to designate as hockey is for everyone night when, in fact, they found room for barking for the blues, dog bobblehead night, ladies night out with a bedazzled hat, Star Wars Mm. night, and not one Emily, not two Emily, but three different Boy Scout nights at the rink. So this is kind of weird. Scouts are doing great these days. <laughs> so this is kind of weird. And on top of that, the Blues made news last year and upset the folks of St. Louis Pride by uh, folding Pride Night into Hockey Is For Everyone Night um, under the guise of, of uh, um, inclusivity to make it not be about sexual orientation, but all other races and genders and yada, yada, yada. And then they take Hockey Is Row one night and they designate it for a watch party instead of an actual home game. And they're charging $10 a ticket and there's a charity component. So the Blues, uh, uh, USA, Today wrote, USA Today wrote about this. They contacted the Blues and here's the Blues response. Due to unprecedented ticket demand and sales following last season's success, meaning winning the cup, we weren't able to execute as many ticket promotions as we have in the past. However, instead of foregoing hockey is for everyone completely, we wanted to brainstorm ways to continue its application. That is where, again, three scout nights. That is where the idea of a watch party came in. This allows us to open the entire building, over 18,000 seats for the event, instead of just having a couple hundred available for a home game. In addition, it afforded us the opportunity to introduce a charitable element where groups can sell tickets as a fundraiser and get $5 of each sale donated back to the organization. Um, we have the flexibility to completely tailor our game presentations and in-game activities to the Hockey Is For Everyone initiative, something we couldn't do at a normal home game due to pre-sold sponsorship and partner elements. What is this nonsense? This is making it worse. I mean, I, I, it's ra- I, it's a at least it's a rationalization, and, and I give Mike Caruso of the Blues and their team credit for for doing this. But like, you couldn't hold a three on three sled hockey tournament or, or sled hockey game in between periods because of partnership sponsorship elements. I mean, what? Uh, listen, I I know all I know is this, and, and, and I'm not trying to cast aspersions. The Blues already don't, don't like me because of. Something I tweeted about the White House, you know, back when they visited. But, like, every other team finds a home date to do this. 
It's an NHL initiative. It means something to a lot of people. It's, I guess, commendable that you're trying to still do it instead of, quote, comp- if we're going it completely. But you mean, you got three scout nights. You got Star Wars night. You, you couldn't have designated at least one for hockey is for everyone. I mean, it's not as if this is some thing where like only two teams do it. It's a league wide initiative. It's like a plank in the Batman platform. My take is I don't think it was malicious, but seeing the way they're backpedaling, trying to explain it and seeing the fact that they even organized this to begin with shows that they just don't quite get it. And they don't understand how they are marginalizing some people and making them feel like, you know what? This team isn't for me and hockey isn't for everyone. Um, if, if they, like you said, thought three Boy Scout nights were more important than this. Yeah. Same. Just give up one of the Boy Scout nights. Dateline hockey streaming. FanDuel becomes the first gambling app slash sports book to stream NHL games. Emily, is this the wave of the future? Well, as Bill Daly told me, uh, the deputy commissioner, wow, I'm really doing great with speaking English (laughs) today. Uh, As Bill Daly told me, uh, this is, you know, as once we open the door to our partnerships with betting, um, this wasn't a huge leap. This is the next, you know, step where then all of a sudden you can see our content um, on their games. Uh, I don't think this is going to have puck tracking stuff. That's it seems to be separate deals that they worked out. I believe MGM is the NHL's official partner for that. But yeah, this is the way things are going. And you could probably speak to this better than me. Other leagues, especially European leagues, are starting to do this already. Yeah, the, the company IMG Arena that they're working with has done streaming of tennis events and soccer events in Europe and integrated gambling uh, with them as well. So way of the world in, in Europe seems to be kind of where they want to push things here. And uh, I do wonder how that's going to turn out when you start, you know, if, if the the team, the, the bookmakers they have a data deal with for puck tracking and stuff, could it be a situation where you can only wager on the puck tracking stuff and the, and the, and those prop bets on an app that's streaming those particular games? It's, I don't know. It's, it's interesting mm, to see where this all goes. And again, Bottom line for me is that I'm, I'm excited the NHL is excited. I'm excited that this is something that's really um, being taken seriously and taken off. So it's, it's kind of cool. Uh, Dateline Montreal. Montreal Canadiens general manager Mark Bergevin, well-tailored, said on Tuesday that head coach Claude Julien will return for the 2020-21 season. You surprised? Um, not necessarily as I wrote the big story today about, uh, this week about NHL retreads and the fact that, uh, (laughs) NHL teams just really value known commodities overtaking risks. Um, this is a little bit of inside baseball. I find it fascinating that at the NHL GM meetings, all the GMs are here on their own. They book their own, well, probably don't book their own flights, but they fly on their own. Only one general manager brought his PR guy with him. That was Mark Bergevin. I think the, uh, The Montreal Canadiens are are seriously concerned about every time he opens his mouth. Not that this was something that they're worried about him opening his mouth, but that was really interesting to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, But yeah, he gets uh, he gets he gets come back. Good, good for Claude. Um, Dateline: Patrick Marlowe, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner arrived for the Leafs California swing a little early so they could hang out. With Papa Marlowe and the Marlowe clan before he headed out to Pittsburgh. And they took adorable photos with each other and everybody got the, the warm and fuzzies to see those, those all, all three of those guys reunited. 
the way Austin Matthews looks at one of Patrick Marlowe's sons, I don't know which one it is, and the way he looks at him back in that photo is like the purest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's adorable. <laughs> right? Um, I also found out that some of the um, Leafs, including Jack Campbell, are um, growing mustaches in support of Austin Matthews trying to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. Oh. I thought yeah. it was in support of him not looking that creepy when he walks into restaurants and bars on the road. So if they're all together, all looking creepy, he's less creepy? Well, I dig yeah, it. maybe. I like it. They're just the creepers. Dateline the Reddit. <laughs> Dateline Reddit. As you mentioned before, the Florida Panthers have been struggling. And um, now we see that the Florida Panthers Reddit, r slash Florida Panthers, has been rebranded as a Reddit on actual Florida Panthers. The the, the people who run the Reddit have given up. And are now, that are so funny. Are now just tweeting about or, or, or posting about actual Florida Panthers and not the hockey team. That's incredible. incredible. I love the yeah. internet and I love Reddit. Finally, Dateline Vancouver. Uh, since the last podcast, it's the 10th anniversary of Sidney Crosby's Golden Goal. How are we feeling about this? Old? Not as wonderful and uh, romantic and waxing poetic as the Canadians were when I saw these 75 tribute pieces that ran out last week. Clearly. Um, yeah, uh, I was there for it. Uh, the Americans beating Canada in the preliminary round was one of my favorite moments in the history of life. And uh, then things didn't work out so well. In the gold medal game, we will always remember uh, where we were when Jerome McGinley made the golden pass and Sidney Crosby then just tucked it in. All right, since we got chatty, uh, no rant line this week, and um, we'll do another one next week. And we'll do a call-in show at some point soon again. That was a lot of fun. And uh, there you go. Uh, I'm Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer. You could uh, read my stuff on ESPN.com, including the awards watch we just did. And uh, many other things. And, uh, yeah. And Puck Soup's my other podcast, but I won't be on this week because I'm getting my wisdom teeth pulled. Yeah, what's your official designation? Is it upper body, obviously, day-to-day, week-to-week? <laughs> what are we thinking? It's, it's upper body uh, and a multi-decade mistake uh, to not have them <laughs> get pulled earlier. Doctor will reevaluate in a couple days. We got it. <laughs> Uh, I'm Emily Kaplan. You can follow me on Twitter at Emily M. Kaplan. And all I have to say is thank you guys so much for listening, subscribing, reviewing. We love you. Love you. Love our show. Bye. Bye. This has been ESPN on Ice with Wyshynski and Kaplan. Subscribe to the show in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.